All right. All right, welcome to another episode of In Search of the Story. So, Olivia's going to be out this week. Much needed break. She did a couple solo podcasts. We did the big shit on um, how Washington and, and stuff was was portrayed in the council last week. She's taking a break this week. Uh, Chris Hepburn is here with me. He was with me on the Gaming Historia Reviving a Dead Game podcast. So go listen to that. We talk about cyborg justice and taking a game that had died and bringing it back to life for a, for a current generation. What we're going to do today is give an outline of a story that we may expand on later on. And we're not going to do it based on that. We're going to do something new and just try to create a story on the fly. As writers, hopefully we can make that work. Um, before we get into anything else, I wanted to let you know on Patreon, if you don't follow us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, look up Gaming Story, you'll find us. Um, we put up a post there, and we put up a post on Patreon, that once we hit 20 subscribers, and or at the end of May, we need 20 subscribers before we do the giveaway, but at the end of May, at the earliest, we'll start giving away a couple things. We have a Uncharted four collector statue of Nathan Drake. And we have the uh, collector's edition statue from Assassin's Creed Unity, where he's holding the big French flag. I'm going to pull those out of my collections, give them away. If the shipping cost gets crazy because we're sending them out of the States, we'll figure that out when we get to that point. But everybody at the $10 or higher level on Patreon will be in on that. I haven't posted anything on GamingHistoria.com, so I wanted to let you know here. I'm going to do the same thing on next week's Gaming Historia podcast. Just let everybody know. Part of it is we really need your support to make all this work. And we also want to start, we want to start it off big. We're going to have, for the early adopters, they get something big. We're going to have some games coming up pretty soon that we're going to have pretty frequent giveaways. But go subscribe. Once we hit 20 people, then giveaways are going to go like hotcakes. We're going to have stuff coming out all the time. So with that said, Hepburn and I had a little discussion before we started Right now, all we know for this story, and, and literally this is about 10 minutes ago that we got all this figured out, we are we are going to do a steampunk universe somewhere in the 1700s, 1800s uh, with a mix of some real world stuff and some made up stuff. And that's where we're at right now. So we had a little technical difficulty, so you, you missed the very little brainstorming of us deciding on steampunk. So, with that said, we got to figure out what our story for this game is going to be. So let's get to it. All right. So, I guess let's let's say this is going to be a video game. Um, we we talked about possibly doing a pen and paper, which we still could, but let's make this a video game, and we'll let the video game emerge from what the story is, depending on on what the story requires. So, well, there's been a lot of pen and paper games that have come from video game stories, hasn't there? Yeah, there have, and, and vice versa. And yeah. I, I just think that us saying that this is going to be an adventure game or a oh, traditional okay. top-down game or a shooter or a strategy game, I, I say let's get the story, and then we'll kind of see what game would fit into that story um, to be able to tell the narrative. And, and for this one, we're not going to tell the whole story. We're going to get an outline put together of the different beats in the story. Okay. Sounds so good. Sounds good. Uh, 
I guess the first thing we need to figure out is what real world people do we want in this story? Do we do we want this to be you know, my favorite thing is revolutionary stuff. So do we want it to be revolutionary stuff? Do we want it to be kind of a a different take on the the American Revolution? Um that could be cool. Uh doing some type of civil war. We can yeah. even we can even base this in Ireland with the uh, IRA versus Burton, basically. Okay, well, I know nothing about that, but <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so most of most of my stuff has to do with with the U.S. and with Britain. I know a little. I, I know enough about France at the time, right after the American Revolution, but but most of my experience is going to be revolutionary time period from the American perspective, because that's what I've spent the last two or three years four years just studying nonstop. Um, I, I am assume. expanding. And I mean, even World War One, we could do a steampunk World War One. I. I know that pretty well. Okay. But I know a little bit of World War One, not too much. I'm not really a big history buff. Right. So uh, let me know where where your strengths would lie and then I'll see what creative flair I can give it. I, I think a revolutionary thing would be kind of cool because it, it, there's very unique weapons at the time. You know, muskets are yeah are they're, they're already steampunky ish. I think where yeah, where kinda. you can do just a few things to make them do some more and and technology was very primitive, but like right on the cusp of becoming what we're used to now. So I think that's a a good area to put it. And and I think doing the revolutionary war with a steampunk thing where you take it from being like the battle of yorktown into aerial battles with the zeppelins and things like that it could be kind of a uh, it brings up some cool images yeah it would and, and even so, like what kind of creative flair you can give the weaponry or any machine and because it wouldn't function the same its internals would be completely different if it's steampunk so right. you could even do some cool aspects to it and and it still lets you keep a couple of the big names from the time and a couple of the names that people should probably know that I can, I can pepper in and we, we stay connected to Canada last week. So consider this part two or an extension of last week, the sequel of, uh, of the council. Cause it sounds like we'll kind of hit that a little bit because of course, Washington, King Edward, Lafayette, Hamilton, Burr. Um, who else would we have? Oh, you know, what would actually be really cool. And this is one thing that I've started studying more that I, I don't know as much as I want to yet, but I'm getting there, is the Sons of Liberty, which were the spies that worked for America to help overthrow the British. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe maybe do something with the Spies of Liberty, or the Sons of Liberty, and let the story kind of, you know, kind of a spy steampunk spy thing but well but then if we do that are we too close to oh, what's that game olivia loves it it's uh dishonored that's kind of a oh. steampunk spy thing though yeah yeah it is so let's so let's back away from that because i want to be something completely unique well so, i think kind of taking the average joe look at it and how the civil war goes around society and like how people get drafted into it and have to have to fight and their belief systems could probably be pretty cool because if i'm looking at this i'm thinking maybe something like action rpg style so civil war or revolutionary war 
Uh, probably revolutionary because I assume that's what you know best. Uh, yeah, I do know that part best. Yeah. And, you know, being in the South, I'm not a real big fan of the, the Civil War because you guys uh, lost, from what I well, understand. We did lose, and I wouldn't have been in the South fighting for them at the time. <laughs> I say that now. Who knows what I would have been back then? But from a modern perspective, you know, it's a that that's a war that that has multiple layers. The the Revolutionary War does too, but I think there's some cool stories you could do, especially if you take it from Farmer Joe's perspective, who is just fighting alongside some of these big names, some of these guys who who are the names we know now, but we don't talk about the the individuals. Kind of how what's the guerrilla warfare game? Um Red Faction? Where it's it's just kind of every man guys fighting. I mean Red Faction is not really like a, a big commander to some big hero. It's just a dude that goes out and is a badass, right? Uh yeah, I believe you mean gorilla. Red Faction Gorilla. Okay, so in that one, is just a, a regular everyday guy. Yeah, he gets uh, drafted to fight against their, like, company overlord. I, if From what I remember, it's kind of like their slave workforce, almost in a way, and they're like, we're not up for this anymore, and they, they uh, revolt. Okay, so, so maybe we did something along those lines in a revolutionary steampunk world where you play as just some farmer who joins the revolutionaries and that way you can have kind of how, how assassin's creed 3 did it where you meet these characters but they're not but you're not playing george washington you're not playing lafayette you're not playing as hamilton or whoever but you could be part of their particular you could actually be, because they fought such different things and john lawrence and guys like that they all fought in different areas in different ways, it could have multiple different stories depending on who you kind of end up following based on this character, this this farmer. We'll call him Farmer Joe, I guess. It, um, it reminds me of Far Cry 2. Have you ever played it? Uh, years and years ago. I don't remember it very well. Uh, so basically, it took place in Africa, and there was... I can't remember if it was a civil war or two warring factions, at least, were fighting. And basically... You could do both of their missions to continue on. I never beat the game, but by the end of the game, one faction would come out on top. So you could do something like this where it's like you could do missions for both sides while you try to learn the politics of both sides and then finally decide which one to go down. And it gives you sort of like a political lesson on both sides, but it's letting you decide which which side you go down and which uh, big politician from the real world do you follow. So so then you would not necessarily be fighting for the revolutionaries. You'd either be fighting for the revolutionaries or you would choose to fight for the British. Yeah. So at the beginning, would you choose one character over the other? So either I'm going to be Farmer Joe or I'm going to be, you know, uh, an aristocrat from England who's going to come over to fight against the revolutionaries? I would say you would probably be like an average Joe and you, you're taking in all the propaganda from both sides and... You have to make your own decision on which side you pick. Okay, so... So what was what was kind of the pitches from both sides back in the time when they were trying to get people on their sides? Because it's politics. Or both sides are always debating about what their strong points are. So in your opinion, what would the two sides be fighting for? 
it well there's there's a couple different things and there's the ones that you would hit that would resonate i think best are of course the boston tea party which is taxation without representation um and then you also have religion where that's a sticky subject because there's a lot to get into about how religion was played into the revolutionary war and was a spark in the revolutionary war but religion was a bit of it freedom for religion and a lot of it most of it was a a desire to be free from what the colonists saw as an overbearing and somewhat lunatic king and then the people who fought for england they were basically just saying these were our colonies we paid to send you over there this is our land why are you revolting because we're loyal to the to the crown so we're going to stop you and there's a a shit ton more that i could get into on that but but to keep it simple it's taxation religion and on the it's taxation and religion primarily on the revolutionary side as as the big things even though there's and again because i know there's other people out there who are probably even more well versed that are listening to this podcast than i am about the revolutionary war i know there's a lot more to it than just that but those would be the big notes especially in this world that we're kind of creating so taxation and religion um and then for the english side it would be loyalty to the crown and a distaste for the the rebellious colonies so it would be kind of more one side would be more freedom the other side is uh conformity and loyalty yeah and so the question is does king edward still stay kind of this crazy eccentric king edward or does he become more grounded because as a player if i'm meeting washington and lafayette who are hanging out and then i meet edward there's no choice i mean it, it, <laughs> I, I guess players would have fun going with the somewhat crazy king but portraying the idealized version or the idolized version of washington and lafayette and the other founders most people are going to really like those characters because they're very upfront and you know that rebellious nature i think runs through all of us whereas you have a i wouldn't say that edward was a complete nutcase but he was not uh, real stable so he could be a really fun character well but i, I don't mean, know like, how many people would choose him first you're you're also talking about a steampunk world here so him being a little bit crazy could be a good thing because when I think steampunk, I'm thinking of industry buildup and in- like crazy inventors. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can have him as the more eccentric, more technological based guy, who's yeah, always trying sense. to like build up, build up, and that's why he likes the conformity and loyalties. We're rising up as one big nation. We're we're all in it to build the biggest, coolest thing. While the more freedom people might not have the most high tech stuff, oh, but you- they're they're doing a you get more variety with them. Right. And and you could do something where there's not as much steampunky stuff on the American side of things or the colonist side of things, but there's also less chance of stuff breaking because they're using simpler tools. And then 
you have some really cool ideas that are coming out of the British side of things, but there's also some kinks that are going to happen to those. So you have the bigger, badder, cooler weapons from the British side, but also significantly <coughs> higher levels of weakness on that side that, that something can go wrong with those big, badass things they're building. Yeah, and it's kind of... <coughs> sorry. It's kind of like no, the, okay. a super weapon in any game. Once it's right. gone, you're, you're shit out of luck. You got to move on to the next thing, or you got to pick up something and learn it quick. Yeah. So ultimately, what it's going to boil down to is a difference in in playing as the guts and gusto guy, or playing as the dude with big bad weapons. Like I'm going to fight a bear with my bare hands. You're a colonist, or I'm going to capture the bear and turn him into a a robot mount, which would be the British. That, I'm that not saying that really you're going to ride cool, bears, but, but maybe you will. But that's, that's that would be really kind cool. of the difference in the two, I think. Yeah. And, and of course, the ideology, that's, that's a bigger piece that we'll get into outside of the outline if we, if we go and revisit this. But I, I, think, I think doing it that way, that you can kind of go with a little bit more primitive but guerrilla-ish way of fighting... And if I you think, want to go the American side and then, of course, the more technological, cool gadgets side if you want to go to the British. I think that even gives them a really cool char- characteristic divide. Because yeah. you got one area that's completely starting from scratch almost. It's a whole new right. land almost. Of course, they're not going to have the most high-tech weapons. And if they do, it's going to be slow, slow boats of the odd thing coming from Britain. So, yeah, they'd have some super stuff, but... It's not going to nearly be as abundant as what's coming from mainland Britain, which would hold all of the high-tech stuff. Because there's no way that would all be in America at this point in time. Right. Okay, so so then let's... So this podcast doesn't go on for four hours. Let's let's hit the, the American outline, and then let's hit the British outline, and then close it off, see how people like it. And if they want to hear more, then we can turn it into a, a offshoot that comes out every couple of weeks where we break down very specific parts of the story as it goes on. Sounds so, good. so for the, the American outline, you start off as far. Well, for both outlines, you start off as just farmer Joe or farmer Jane, because women were part of the revolutionary side, at least. And there's no reason not to, to give you a choice of which one you want. Um, so I think going down the American side, if you follow that, I, I I don't think the characters that you meet are going to be real key. But I would say for the American side is where you'll meet a lot of cool characters. And then for the British side is where you're going to meet or where you're going to see a lot of cool tech. And that'll be another one of the differentiating factors is you can meet a lot of big historical guys going down the American storyline. But if you go down, but you're not going to get to see all the cool gadgets and weapons and stuff. And then if you go down the British storyline, you're going to see all the cool gadgets and all the cool places, but you're not going to get as many big historical figures just as a, a trade-off. So the American side has some appeal to it, yeah, it especially for an American audience. So I would say very early on, maybe with... Uh, I would say you join up with just a militia. Well, how I see it starting off would probably be not just throwing the player into a militia, but 
have them say go on a mission into main city because they're a farmer they're, in, they're not in the city they have to go into the city and then there's someone on a box with like a cone screaming out there's a revolution coming we're gonna fight back against the british we want our freedom and then you go have a little cutscene where you talk to like one of the other farmers there and you're hearing it in the background gives the player some sort of background as to what's going on and how the story's progressing maybe a mission or two later at night something happens and this is what sparks the the actual revolution where the player has to now try to survive by doing missions for either side as they're trying to as both sides try to tell the people to join theirs like they're trying to convince them to join their side you do one or two missions and then you have to decide which side you choose okay and and really, I think starting it close to New York is probably the best way to go because that's where a lot of the action happened of, of the big stories. And I think one of the, I, I think the the mission that you could do to choose it, and this is, I'm, I'm stealing a little bit of history and then I'm changing up a lot of what actually happens. I think that the mission where you choose which side you're going to go on would need to be something along the lines of Washington coming in the British are attacking. You're kind of in the middle watching it. And the British are, are kind of fucking the colonists up. And they're constantly retreating more and more and more. And this happens not in New York. It happens more south. But we can say wherever it is because we're making up our own history here. Um, so you see Washington. And we can even throw other cool people in there. Um Samuel Adams, you can throw in, I think Lafayette is a big character that people recognize from the order 1886, but he wasn't actually the character they put in that game. So you could actually give a real representation of who Lafayette was and have some of these kind of, and he was a really charming, cool character. So you have some of these cool characters who are freaking out in Washington, yelling at troops, like we have to, you know, stop retreating. And you have Lee who's running back. And, and completely just fucking everything up. And then you have the British just taking over. And at that point, you decide, like, do you then go over to the British side or do you go over to the American side? At that, And, and we're just going to call it the American side. It's the colonists. I know it's not America yet, but it'll be the, the colonists. Uh, but we'll call it the Americans. So at that point in that mission, as you have this huge battle going on with with Zeppelins flying in and and the bear robots or whatever we want to do these cool British weapons, you know, like dudes, instead of riding horses are riding like metaled up bears that are under control from some kind of steampunkish machinery that, that armors up the bear are charging at him. And then you have Washington and, and the Americans are there with more advanced muskets, not, not straight up shoot one reload forever, but something a little bit more advanced. I'm thinking but, like some converted like nail gun, it's like some they they took nail guns for like blacksmithing and railroad, and they just supercharged it. So now you're shooting like super nails at people at super speeds. Yeah, you could do something like that, or or like a even a quick loading musket. You know, a a, a musket that's like a paintball gun. Um, yeah. You know, something along those lines. And so at that point, then you can kind of decide which side you want to you want to join in that battle and. I would think that that piece of the story, maybe make it a 10-minute 
fight where you have the choice where you can just sit back and watch and see what's happening and decide at that point. And it's a big scripted with some AI, which, which will vary how the battle goes, but you can just sit there and watch this big battle happening, which is people dying left and right. And these Zeppelins flying over and dropping bombs on them and stuff or grenades or, or whatever they're going to drop dynamite. And, and during then, all all this, with all the people dying, you should be able to see characters that you've already met in-game, like the, the normal NPCs that aren't historical figures, right. on either side. Like, there's people in from your town that have decided which side to join, and you're seeing them in the fight. Yeah, and, and that'll help you kind of decide which characters you like and which one you're going to follow. So, that way you have some historical figures, you have some some figures that are completely made up, and the battle is somewhat based on something that really happened, but far enough away that it's very steampunky and, and cool to watch. And, and I think it would be quite the spectacle. And it wouldn't be CG. It would be watching it in-game as as this, or, or or in your imagination if we make it pen and paper. But this, this huge, you know, almost like D-Day of, of Zeppelins just coming across the land and all these forces on the ground just trying to fight them off because zeppelins aren't exactly the best air weapons but at this time they would work really really well question when did the zeppelin come in in world war one the zeppelin was never really used um okay because i played for Battle- military stuff i played battlefield one and they used the zeppelin in there and this whole scene is kind of me kind of have me thinking of like a battlefield one type scenario where it's just two sides War of attrition, basically. Yeah, and and, and World War One, there there was zeppelins. I just I don't know of many places where they were used as an actual piece to fight with. Um, okay. In World War One, most of the air combat came in in like 1917. I think is about whenever it happened. 1916, maybe, and it was it was just soldiers, basically pilots with pistols flying around to scout and shooting at each other with guns from their plane. And so it was very primitive air combat at that point. So, and, and then the, and the problem with a Zeppelin is a dude in a plane can easily drop a Zeppelin just by flying by it and shooting it a few times or throwing a grenade on it or whatever, you know, you pop one, you put one hole in it, it's done. Yeah, exactly. And so, but at this point in the steampunk world, that's not going to be an issue. The you know the the revolutionaries will have to build up something that can drop these zeppelins and and I think that you need to to let Hamilton be a big figure because he was a big figure and there happens to be a big musical about how big of a figure he was during the military stuff so people who didn't know about Hamilton before do now so I think that you need to have him one of the things that he did famously is he stole cannons from the British to fight back against them. So you can have Hamilton come in and for the people who only know Hamilton from the musical or a little bit from history class, because it's taught in history now, I think he can come in and he can still some, some kind of anti-air thing to start dropping these Zeppelins. And so it can be this huge spectacle of watching it happen. and, And not a whole lot of story happens in this as far as telling a story, but visually you're telling the story of, the revolutionaries are completely outclassed, but what they have is is 
they're just ballsy and and you just see a small group going and still this cannon thing this i don't know what i'm thinking is uh it's basically a big bow and arrow um what is it called oh i know the thing you're talking about i don't know the name of it though everybody's yelling right now saying it's uh this oh my god what is that thing called um Okay, we're going to find out from the Gaming Historia Hive Mind while we're waiting for that. Basically, I think they still something like that, and that's kind of the anti-air thing, is they're shooting up these huge, you know, uh, ballista. There we go. Thank you, Alex Applin. Um, they, they use the ballista to, to start shooting down some of these zeppelins, and you see a little bit of a turn, but it's still just a retreat. And at that point, then, you decide when you want to go and jump on one side or the other, and what you do then that's the side you're going to follow with for the rest of the game. Yeah, it makes sense. And so that way you get kind of a, a really cool big spectacle that shows like, ooh, cool, a neat, big steampunky revolutionary battle. And I can sit back here for 10 minutes and watch it happen, which I'm sure anybody who's making the game is going to be real happy that we said it has to be a 10-minute long AI fight. <laughs> but... But that's still something that'd be cool that you can just sit back while you think about it. And you can watch or you can jump in and get involved in the fight. If you see Hamilton running to to pick up these ballista, you can run and help him get it. Or if you see him go after it, you can jump in and try to stop him. And, you know, I I don't think that you do stop him, but at least that's where you make your choice is you go try to stop him from stealing it or you go help him steal it. And then that's kind of where you join. So now that the characters join, because we got to move on, what would the next big beat in the story be i think it'd be like military recruitment you go through like a couple easy missions just going with like a platoon kind of and you have certain missions to do yeah so so if you join the revolution so let's stick with the revolutionaries first i think that you do a number of missions that are just little guerrilla tactics of attacking little outposts taking out some of the british and trying to regain ground and there's a couple different ways it can go. If if you go with Lafayette, and, and and maybe maybe you have the choice of who you want to join, so you could join Lafayette and head up into Canada, or you could join Washington and head off to Valley Forge, which is probably where the big story beats happen, and you learn a lot from them in Valley Forge over a cold winter, where then it turns into kind of a survival game for a little bit over that winter because Valley Forge was. That and I don't think you need to make it full on. Like, I, I don't think it needs to be a survive the cold for thirty minutes. I think it needs to be. I think it'd be more like one of those God forbidden fetch quests where you go out with some people and you got to go get supplies for the town to try to help survive the cold. Like you got to go over to another city, fight whatever resistance there is, and bring back some like blankets and food and wood and stuff. We could do that, or we could just buck the trend, and you stay at Valley Forge and start to meet people and kind of move up a little bit by just doing, you know, just helping people out because you were more prepared or whatever. Oh, my God, my dog. Um, Helping people out or whatever. So either way, I I think either way you get a lot of story in Valley Forge. You get to to hear some speeches from some of the big characters of what we're going to do as you start to lead into the final chapter. And so that would be like the halfway point is because this is 
where historically it kind of turns around. And so for the revolutionary side, halfway point is Valley Forge with missions going on around that as you survive that winter and actually learn to become an army. Makes sense. And then from there, I, I think the rest of it is, is starting to get pieces. Maybe the Americans are starting to get together a little bit more technology and you're helping escort the tech, these pieces of technology to Yorktown where the final battle takes place, regardless of which side you choose. And you're, you're kind of on an escort mission because they have some sort of weapon that's going to counter the British. And that's kind of what happened in Valley Forge is you're learning to be an army. They had some, some, you know, some super intelligent people that were building some kind of anti because they know what's coming is just a whole fleet of ships and and zeppelins and so they have some way to stop that like a an EMP type of thing for the steampunk stuff. I I, I don't know exactly what the equivalent of EMP is for steam. Um, I don't think there is one. Sadly. I think okay. you would you would have to probably put in like, well, I guess some steampunk has some electricity, so you could do some amount of EMP, but it's not gonna cover everything. You'd probably have to bring in like some special cannons that shot larger ammunition to take down bigger objects. Okay, so so then we'll do a little a little nod to was it World War One or World War Two? I think it was World War. It was World War II because was Hitler had this crazy huge gun that could shoot from Germany to France, uh, an artillery cannon. Damn. Yeah, it was unreal. It, uh, they actually had to calculate for the curvature of the earth for where the actual uh, munitions would land. And so maybe that's what the Americans have. And, and that piece of the game is helping get the steampunk equivalent of that cannon close enough to Yorktown to where they can basically just bombard the shore and it's just going to stop everything. Just huge fiery explosions from it. Well, I think maybe the final mission is more could be more impactful if the player has to go to uh, the area. Uh, I forget the name already. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. Oh, Yorktown. Yorktown. Yeah. I forget that. Go to Yorktown and actually scout out where stuff is and have to relay that info back. That, and yeah. then they actually see the outfall or the downfall of the opposing force, the, uh, the Britain British, this way the player actually sees what they've accomplished and not just, Oh, we shot cannons. It's over. Right. And and I think that's a good idea. And another cool thing that we can do with that is because the French were a big part of this is at the same point, you could see a whole new technology, which may hint at a sequel to this story. Uh, because because the next story would be, of course, the French Revolution, because that's what came up next, or in Haiti, or wherever you want to go. But you could see the French coming in with even more advanced technology, with like almost fighter planes, you know, very early steampunky fighter planes that are better than the Zeppelins, coming in and just finishing off the British after you get there and you know you barely survive and the bombs are going off and things look terrible and shit's all going to hell and then all of a sudden you hear just off in the distance almost like a helicopter sound as as these things fly in and 
then all of a sudden the zeppelins just start crashing left and right the ships are getting blown up and submarines are popping up with the british or with the french flag on it and all of a sudden you have like the third party that you completely forgot was gonna help out because you do have one frenchman with lafayette on the revolutionary side and he said he was going to try to get help, but then all of a sudden the entire French force with this whole different type of steampunk technology shows up for the big final scene after you've done, you know, the player part of it where where you've scouted it out and stopped the initial rush into Yorktown and helped the revolutionaries hold them back. And then because the technology is still going to beat out no matter how clever the, the revolutionaries are, then you have the French come in and just finish them all off. Like they had been beaten down enough by this big super cannon and, and the, the forces doing some guerrilla warfare that they couldn't hold off this French force that comes in right after that. And it gives you kind of that cool climax. Leaning up to this, there has to be situations in the story where you hear about this super weapon or super technology that France has. That way the players are just not like blindsided by it. Cause that could, come off kind of cheap if there's no hint or lead up to it yeah i i think the lafayette would be a, a big piece in valley forge and and a little bit before that especially as you join the the revolutionaries that you overhear washington and lafayette talking about you know he's getting the french involved things like that and so the americans have this big cannon that holds them off but he keeps on talking about how he's going to try to get the french to help and then you kind of miss out on Lafayette towards the end. Oh, what the? Okay, well, hey guys, welcome to uh, In Search of the Story, including my dog, because <laughs> he's going nuts. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's what we do with with kind of the finale of the revolutionary side is is we give plenty of information about the French being involved and wanting to help the revolutionaries and as you're on the ground, you know, bleeding and you've done everything you can to stop them and you still can't stop the British forces. And all of a sudden Lafayette comes through with, with the French forces and completely finishes off the, the British to push him back. And that's it. And, you know, at that point you can have even more of the, the revolutionaries come in to, to support your small guerrilla group that went into, to fight in Yorktown. And that's where it kind of ends up. And, you know, you were part of the advance force that, that made this all happen. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. And when when you said uh, that the character was kind of like on the floor bleeding out, it made me think of like the the, the whole time this this farmer Joe has probably been fighting for his family to be safe. So he's like at the end, he's saying his prayers, hoping his family's okay, gonna be okay. And then here comes in the fr- the French forces, and it's just my prayers have been answered. My family's gonna be safe. Oh my God. Yeah. And big twist him. everything's good <laughs> yeah and then kill the main character oh that's hard that's dark that's like final fantasy 7 crisis core ending yeah but i mean that, that's that would be such thor you don't have to like the story um my dog's name is thor that's i wasn't yelling at the god of thunder um it would have so, been more impressive if you were well you know we're tight i don't want to get him upset um but yeah i think that's a cool way to end it is you went in and you did this thing and as you're dying you watch the country basically be formed you watch the victory happen and then 
your eyes close and you're dead. And there's no parades. There's no after scene like parade of look at this hero or anything. Like you were just another soldier that gets buried in the end. And it kind of kind of sells that point that you can be this big heroic soldier, but it's doesn't mean you're getting a everybody's getting a parade. In the end you're you're just mulch for the earth. Yeah, you're another one of the people who helped and you're not getting anything special for doing that except for knowing that you helped. And I think it's a cool way to end the American side is you're dead. The end. So then I guess let's hit the British stuff. I don't know the British side as well, but I know enough that I can hit a few quick points. I, Okay. I think I think the British stuff, same thing. Whenever the Hamil, excuse me, whenever the Hamilton thing happens, I don't know. Maybe we completely rewrite history. Excuse me. Maybe we completely rewrite history, and you do stop Hamilton. I think that and, would also be a good idea because it gives the Americans a bit more, bit more emphasis on their story because you're playing more of a historical recount, recount. Right. Re, I can't speak. A horror story. <laughs> <laughs> re, uh, re, uh, yeah, I just I can't shit. do it. I can't either. Uh, okay, it'll be a reenactment. <laughs> we'll yes. use that word for today. Yes, you do a whole historical reenactment of life itself from the American perspective because they won. And then the right. British side is the alt history path where you you stop Hamilton in the midst of stopping Fuck him. Fuck it, you kill Hamilton. No, I was gonna say in the midst. You get like some of the British people come up and they're like. Well, well, we'll take over. Who the hell are you? You're coming with us. You get recruited. Hamilton happens to get away with a gun or one of the cannons. And now the big thing is stopping America from, or the colonists from building up their munitions after Hamilton got them one cannon. Because you're scared of them replicating it. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and maybe that's one of the big things is actually going after and killing the big names. Yeah. as far, That's how you do it is, is the <coughs> British missions are all focused around taking out the big characters and they don't all have to be historical characters because you can have some sciencey guys who are doing the tech stuff. Let, let's but, throw Albert Einstein in there somewhere and he's just some goofy <laughs> 200 years dude. before. <laughs> um, the, the yeah, Einstein I, I, we know is just, he's, he's just a born again Einstein. He reincarnated. <laughs> this this, this is the original. <laughs> so, okay. So the British side is basically kill all the founding fathers. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of, I, I think the, I think that side is, I, I think the American side becomes very guerrilla warfare and trying to survive. And the British side is murder everything with your giant weapons. Yeah. It's just the, 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 the British side would kind of be like any kind of big name FPS nowadays where it's just fuck story, go have fun with a bunch of big guns. And this is your play playing field. Do what you want. I think that's a good way to do it because that way, if you want to, because most games you have story one or story two. If there's if there's multiple stories, in this you either play a story based shooter or you play a kill the fuck out of everybody shooter. Yeah, exactly. Well, with still a story because yeah, there will be story stuff thrown in, but not to the level of the American side. Because the, because the, way, the sorry, I would say the British side is faster paced. Yeah, I I, I see the British side as like. You get re- recruited after trying to stop Hamilton. Your family gets sent off to live in mainland Britain. You got They get a nice home because you were helping out the British and you had no need to do so. So they're all pampered and taken care of. And now you're quickly raising the ranks, doing mission after mission, yeah. raising the ranks. Just murdering and, people. 
yeah, you're just doing all these heinous acts. I guess I shouldn't say that because, you know, the from that side, that you're bad. doing great acts. Yes. You know, you're, you're doing heroic acts from, yeah. from their perspective. Yeah. You're, you're, so, you're fighting for the king. You're raising the ranks. And as you raise the ranks, you start unlocking new cool stuff. So you get the better weapons. Sorry, this has got to go weird like Metal Gear. You get some steampunk walker you can use. Stuff like I that. Think, I think the final thing is you get to control a Zeppelin, but through some of the choices that you made or some of the things that happened throughout your story on the British side, you actually end up with stuff that's even more advanced than the French whenever they come in. And that final scene where the Americans are dropping all these big bombs on you and the British look like they're going to have a little bit of a, of a fight ahead of them. And then the French come in, then all of a sudden you and, your troop because at this point you've raised up high enough in the ranks that you have your own men under you. You come out with like these jets that are even not jets, but these aerial devices that are even more advanced than what the French have. And you put the French down and take down the Americans and British, the the British empire expands into France and keeps the colonies. Well, if we're talking sequel here, I think it'd be really cool for like the very end is the, the French come in and your character just looks over and it's like, huh, I guess I'm going to have a bit more fun today. Yeah. And that really? kind of like ends it. It's just cliffhanger. All right. We're evenly matched now. Like I'm, you thought this whole, this whole time the player thinks that like we're super powerful and now an opponent comes in where we're evenly matched and it's like, all right, well now we can have some real fun and some real difficulty. Well, well what if, what if the story instead ended on defeating the French and the British taking over the French, and then if a sequel comes up, then if you go down the British line, it's you're holding off a gorilla, like a like a secret underground French resistance. And if you're with the French, you're in this underground kind of spy network, overthrowing the British government from the inside. Because it, then you can start in like a destroyed France, as opposed I, to a France under siege. I, th- I think it would be probably better if you set it up where if you play the british side and you win then yeah you fight the french but you're not just fighting the french you're fighting the survivors of the colonist armies and militia that way if the player played the american side that 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 whole side's not gone anymore the the people could still play as an american in the sequel if they chose and that would be the sequel is america's still fending off the last remnants of the British forces along with France. So you still have both sides fighting against Britain in the sequel, but you you still have like the same team set up on both story sides. Right. So so ultimately the sequel could be that Sons of Liberty thing we we're talking about where you have American yeah. and French troops working as this underground spy network against the British who are kind of controlling everything at this point. Yeah, yeah. Or at least powerful enough to where they're starting to take over everything, and you're now part of this kind of underground American-French alliance that's that's working outside of the regular militias and armies, and you're doing your own thing to overthrow the British Empire. And then again, the British Empire story in the sequel would be kill everything, and you don't know those secret spy things happening. Makes sense. And then the the big final fight is oh shit, 
the London's under attack. How the fuck did that happen? And and you having to save London if you're on the British side in the sequel or whatever. Yeah, I like that idea. So, because that way it's a complete surprise if you play the British story first. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're at the end. You've destroyed France. You've you've brought the colonies back into line. And then all of a sudden, London's on fire, and you're way out in France, and you're like, oh, shit. That's actually the end of the game. Also, I just want to deviate this for a second. I kind of like the idea of this a lot better, especially... I I want to bring this up because we are talking about In Search of the Story and Story itself. Yeah. Um, my biggest issue with games nowadays that say they have multiple endings, I don't... To me, personally, I say they don't have multiple endings. They have a modular ending, where they give you a cinematic that has different... A or B option for every 30 seconds depending on how how you completed a mission but in a game like this where you're playing two totally different storylines each can be an 8 hour campaign still totaling to a 16 hour story mode from any other game but you get two totally completely different stories with set pieces and so forth so basically you, you still get the same amount of gameplay from a modular ending game but you just have two smaller stories doing two different things completely. And that's yeah. something I'd wish I could see in the gaming industry for what, what they produce because everything is just a modular ending. It's You always end up at the same point with characters A or B alive or dead or you get a different cinematic. And it's it's not really multiple endings. It's, I could just go YouTube that, but I can't. Ex- I'm not experiencing anything new. I'm just watching a cinematic. Multiple endings. Right. Should I, I should play through something different. I should play something I could not play in the other ending whatsoever. Yeah, because in, in the revolutionary ending, you die. In the British exactly. ending, and you're, you're, you're a fighting a completely different a fin- fight. Right. So yeah, I, and and I guess this kind of turns into a shooter, but maybe maybe something else fits in. But it sounds like it's kind of a, a third person shooter or a first person shooter, depending on the art style and things like that. And and I think the art style needs to look heavily at the paintings of the time and go with a very stylized color palette and very stylized looks for the characters, not real life looks. Um, go with, go with kind of with the paintings and the art and the, the feeling of that time. What, excuse me, was to us today back then. So yeah. and I think that gives it a cool look. Yeah, I could see that. Nice nice details, kinda like fleshed out colors, very smooth gradients. Yeah. Stuff and like kind that. Kind of kind of darker, less vibrant palettes. And and it kind of works. I mean, I think the red should be very red. I think it should be a violent game because it's a very violent war. And um, with with the steampunk attachments and so forth, you can have them. Like all the steampunk equipment could have a, a a brighter, more vibrant color palette just to give it more emphasis. Of like, yeah, because you put like different. a Union Jack on everything; it's all colored and the blues and the whites and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know that we necessarily we gave an outline for a story. If you guys like this, let us know, and we'll do some research and we'll turn it into a real story, and then we'll pitch it to somebody that would be cool to to take our story and make it a game and hey we got some pen and player people here i'm not the biggest one but i know you and one of our members caitlin Rio Maine. And, yeah. yeah you but yeah, we 
we have a couple of us who would who I think would be happy to do something like this. Yeah, I mean, like we can probably put together if people really like the idea of it, a quick, uh, I I still can't speak. (laughs) (laughs) Pen and paper RPG book, and maybe we can kickstart it if people think it would be worthwhile. So let us know in the comments. Yeah, hit comments, hit us at contact at gamingstory.com, at underscore, or at gaming underscore story on Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash gamingstorytv. Find us wherever you want to find us. Become a patron, get on Discord with us, say hi to my dog, you know, whatever. Just let us know if you guys like these things that we're coming up with, because we're, whenever Chris and I get on something, we just start, we, we start spitballing ideas and see where it goes, and I know that it's not the smoothest, most well-researched, thought-out podcast, but it's kind of fun because you guys get to hear, for us, it's fun. I hope it's fun for you guys. You kind of get to hear the emergence of something that's never been. Like, this is something that until an hour ago, whenever we started this, this didn't exist, and now it's been put out there. And I think this is kind of the best way to get creativity out super researching stuff beforehand could always be a detriment because it gets someone so regimented on a specific idea that right. they can't be creative with it. So just going balls to walls crazy on something like this with no particular research just adds a bit of flair to it and a bit of creativity lets your mind wander a bit more. Yeah, and then you can also dial it back a little bit as you need to. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think that this is a really cool story. If you guys want to hear it, let us know contact at gaminghistoria.com would be the best way to get a hold of us or go to Facebook search Gaming Historia or go to gaminghistoria.com and click on the Facebook link you'll go there and let us know you want to hear more on this or leave comments on it or whatever and if you're a person who plays the hero system or or a pen and paper system that uses uh, more flexible rules where you can put your own story we have a team of writers who love this type of stuff and we will kickstart it and put it together and get you an actual module for cheap that you can play through an entire story and we'll do some different changes so that if your players have listened to it, they don't know how it's actually going to go and you'll get a, a story out of it. That's all we do is create. That's, that's what gaming story is all about is creating stuff. So let us know what you think and we may not even listen to you and we may do it anyways, but it won't be any time too soon. It'll be, you know, down the line once everything else is going. We still have YouTube to get going and a couple other podcasts coming up. If you like music, that's coming up fairly soon, I think, as well. And, okay, well, Chris Chris just crashed. Um, I'm going to finish it out real quick and we're done. Okay, so Chris's recording crashed. I'm going to throw this out there. This is what he was going to say. If you like... This type of thing, if you like us just going off the cuff and coming up with something, throw us a, a prompt and we will we will give you a shout out and say, hey, Farmer Joe sent us this prompt for a that he wants us to do a, a steampunk fantasy, elven fan fiction, anime, sci-fi adventure. And we will figure out a game or a story or something that fits into that. And we'll make it a whole series. We'll th- we'll put your ideas into play and we'll get other people in here also. So we have even more minds tonight. We just had to, you know, it was just Chris and I were the ones that were available tonight. But we'll bring more people in 
to create some big overarching story that everybody can be like, oh, yay, we love these guys. They make the best stories. Why aren't they their own big gaming company? Because we buy all their games. Um, and we love that they do pre-order exclusives with each individual retailer so we can't get everything at once. Um, <laughs> that, that's a callback to an old gaming story if you haven't listened to it. Uh, so, yeah, if, you, if anyways, the, the point is, if you like what we're doing and you want us to, to go with an idea that you've been mulling around in your head but you can't figure out how to make it work, throw it at us and we'll see if we can get it to stick. And we're happy to turn it into a whole podcast where every week or every other week or once a month or whatever, we'll throw your ideas out there. So unfortunately, Chris crashed out, so he's not able to say goodbye. He said he loves you all. He would love to to share a bed with any one of you in a platonic way. Um, platonically is what he's telling me to say. I, it didn't sound like that whenever he said it. Um and, and for me, just thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all the support. We're not getting a lot of verbal support, but we are getting a lot of support from your eyes and your ears. And that's what that's what matters to us right now. We, we're young and we're growing. So, again, hit us up at contact at gaminghistoria.com or drop a note on the comments here or on Facebook and let us know what you think. We thrive off feedback and we would love some. So, thank you guys so much for listening and hopefully... Uh, Olivia will be back up to up to speed next week and, and she can get her solo one that she's wanting to do or we'll both be back. Who knows? It's going to be a surprise. Just make sure you're subscribed and we will talk to you. We will talk at you next week.